Hello, and welcome back to Get Right for Sunday. I'm Vicar Leeper. I'm Pastor Wright. And we are going to be talking today about the text for the upcoming Sunday, which is the eighth Sunday after Pentecost. We're going to be focusing especially on Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 39. And this week we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Normally, Pastor Wright and I have a conversation coming in, having studied the text, and we each kind of talk about the different things that we noticed or that we want to communicate to you. This week, only Pastor Wright has studied the text on purpose. I'm not just lazy. It's so that I can provide a voice to the listener, so that I can ask the the questions as we dive into these very well-known verses that you may have heard before, but maybe you haven't thought of them this way. So I'm going to be asking questions and having discussion instead of coming in with my own viewpoint. So uh, let's get ready and dive into the text. Absolutely. So St. Paul really opens up in the uh, letter to the Romans, and this is all about God's work to and for us. And there's some really big general promises that um, we need to understand and need to live through and work through. And a lot of these are are hard because we want to implement them and we want to use them for our convenience. So let's start off with some, some questions or thoughts. So as I'm looking at the text, the first one that really sticks out to me is verse 28, which says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So I guess my first question is, what is that good? And why does it sometimes feel like this verse doesn't play out in my life? You know, I I love God. I come to church. I'm studying to be a, a pastor. Why doesn't it feel like things in my life aren't always working together for good? Why do these bad things seem to happen to me or things that I don't necessarily understand? Absolutely. I think that's a really good question, because when we look at this, we we see and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Let's pause there. And and that uh, the statement, almost a dichotomy, I do this, God does this, and it should all work out. Well, what is for good and what is it to love God? When we start thinking about this and fleshing this out, For those who love God, this isn't, I choose God, and then I fulfill God's law, and I am rewarded with good things. If this would be the case, then we would just be eternally punished for the things that we continually do wrong, uh, our lack of faith, so on and so forth. That this love of God that uh, St. Paul is talking about is our faith, our trust. We are going to trust God even when it's hard. We're going to look to him, as we've talked about in other podcasts, as our stronghold, as our foundation, as our anchor. And this uh, work together for good, that may have something to do with your earthly life. And I stress may. The good that our Lord has planned for you is the good of salvation, the good of forever, the good of his forgiveness, and the good of life everlasting. When we really come down to this, that good is the good of all that our Lord has opened to you through his perfect life, through his crucifixion, 
through his resurrection. And so it may pain you. It may hurt you to go through the things that you're going through, whatever they may be. The, the tests, the fact that you have to listen to your supervisor drone on and on. All these things are for your benefit because they strengthen your faith for what is to come. Again, not necessarily for this earthly life. Hmm. And for those who are called according to his purpose. I love this because this pulls you outside of you. Uh, what God has planned for you isn't about you. And that's a great and wondrous joy because it's the promise that God is working in you, through you, for his purpose. And we get to participate. It doesn't mean we're robots. It doesn't mean we're puppets. It just means that God has bigger plans than our mere wants, our mere desires. And uh, this is why God always calls us to thirst for righteousness. Uh, St. Paul calls us new creatures, new creation, because God is using us, working through us. And we, in our new life, in the love of God, participate in his work. Wow. You know, I don't think I've ever thought about this verse in that way. I think it's probably just a product of growing up in America like a lot of our listeners. But I guess when I hear verses like this, my first thought is, okay, how does this apply to me? And especially with that uh, called according to his purpose, you're saying it's not just about you. It's bigger than you. So I guess what I'm hearing is maybe I'm thinking too small when... I, when I hear all things work together for good. When I, when I hear that and I think all things will work together for good for my marriage, for my wealth, for my life, for my job, it sounds like you're almost saying, you're dreaming too small, buddy. Uh, God's got an even bigger plan. And you mentioned that part of that plan, the core of that plan, is Christ coming down to earth and redeeming us through his death and resurrection. But I really like that, that you kind of pulled me out of myself and said, hey, stop trying to just focus on you because God's vision is bigger than you. And the good that he has planned, the purpose that he has planned is for the world. I think that really changes how I, how I view this. So uh, I think there's a couple other parts in this reading that really stick out to me as, as odd or, or interesting or familiar. Uh, let's see if I can find them. Oh, in verse 31, uh, Paul writes, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? You know, I, I didn't, I didn't play much sports, but I, I heard this verse a lot with like, uh, you know, Lutheran high school football teams or before like basketball games. And this kind of idea that like, all right, God's on our side. We can't lose. Uh, so, what do you have to say about that? What, what am I missing when I, when I think that? If God is for us, who can accuse you of your sin? Mm. Who can damn you? Who can take your life, and that is the eternal life? Um, if God has said, your sins are forgiven, who am I to say, nah? If God has said, you have life. Who am I to disagree with it? And the, the bigness of this, again, is um, I like to go to creation. When God said, let there be light on the first day, light appeared. But yet the moon, the sun, and the stars don't show up until the fourth day. 
Because God said, let there be light, it happened. And it is. So if God is for you, and again, that's his mercy, that's his grace, that's his peace. Uh, it's all about salvation, uh, gift language. Who can take that away? Who can actively work against that? Now, we do know that the devil is actively working against that. We know our sinful flesh is actively working against that. But even they do not have the power to overcome that because it is God who is saying, you are mine. And the whole idea of him pulling us out of our sin, out of our death, and bringing us into his life. That goes right back into the uh, verse 28. For the good, it is the love. We are participating in him. He is working in us. And again, it's not just puppets that we are sacrificial things for him to do what he wants to do. Right. Out of love, he is for us. Out of love, he keeps and protects us. And God is kind of throwing down the gauntlet and saying, this is mine and nothing will take this away. Wow. So this is a verse that we can almost kind of take comfort in then. So it's not about like beating the opposite football team or, or something. It's about, once again, something a lot bigger, kind of the security almost that we have in God, that what he says about us, nothing can change that. I like what you said about creation with the creating of, of light. Um, what God says is what is. I really like that idea. Um, and it's super evident in creation that when God speaks, things become. And that's true about us too. When God speaks, when God says, you are mine, you are justified, mm -hmm. you are right in my eyes, we become that. That's really cool. And I think that's something that's kind of unique to uh, Lutheranism as well, that, that we really fully believe in the power of God's promises to make something, to, to be something. Man, that's really cool. Oh, absolutely. And again, the whole idea that um, in the death and resurrection of Christ, our accuser now has nothing to accuse us with. And so again, what is levied against us? It's God's love, and that's for our salvation. Man, I I kind of think about coming to coming to church, um, and and hearing preaching, and I, I've heard people kind of talk about um, guilt and their relationship to the church, and almost feeling like they they come in, uh, they come out with more guilt than they came in and in with, and I think that's unfortunate. Because I think the church's goal is almost the opposite. Not just the forgiveness of sins, but the erasing of guilt. Because that's a, that's a huge burden. It's, it's not just the sin that we have in our lives that, uh, that we do and that affects others. It's what we say about ourselves. Like, I'm guilty. Um, I feel bad. But when we hear God saying, no, this is who you are. You are forgiven. You are mine. You are clothed in righteousness. Well, and to, to go kind of back into the whole worship and coming to church, uh, we expect this posture from God when we do the, the Kyrie, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. That's not a nice thing that we just say about God. It is actually an expectation. Lord, I come here for your mercy because you said this is where it will be found. I do lay my guilt before you 
to have it relieved, just as I should be doing it to my brothers and sisters. Hmm. So there's one more part in this section that sticks out to me, and it's it's a big section, uh, but it starts in verse 35, and it kind of runs through 39, and it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Man, that's a, that's a long list. You know, he could have just said, like, nothing shall separate us. But instead, he lists all of these things. Is, is there any significance to that or any significance to some of the things that he mentions? Absolutely. Uh, St. Paul does this wonderful job in listing these things. Because if we look at this, these are the things that will really uh, give us pause and in our lives, our, our struggles. Um, if we are in famine, let's take that. I am now hungry. And if I'm hungry... I know for myself, I get grumpy. Oh, me too. And so now I'm not dealing with people as I should. And now put that in a perpetual state. Where is my concern? Well, it's my belly. And not only is it just the immediate need to be fed, but now my health is in danger. Um, what about my family? What about this and this? And when we start playing that what if or letting that snowball kind of go uh, build, our focus is not on what Christ has promised. It's not on his love. It's not on his work. Uh, nakedness, and again, that is being exposed to the world. Uh, persecution, distress. Who is not distressed or stressed during this COVID-19 situation? But even in these situations, where are we to focus? We're to focus on God. Now, with this, it doesn't mean that, oh, I'm really stressed out. I'm going to think about Jesus and have happy thoughts and everything <laughs> will go on. No, it's to remind us that even through this hurt, even through uh, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, I still have God mm. and he's still mine. And he will see me. And this goes back to the, the very first verse that we talked about. And, uh, and we know that for those who love God, all things will work together for good. That good is is eternal salvation. It is not your temporal salvation. It's not your temporal comfort. It's not your uh, temporal anything. Those are important. And it's not that God doesn't care about that. But the big thing for you is forever. And so when St. Paul lays it out, it really is to show how small these things are. Mm. Think about uh, the biggest problem in your life for however long it's been. And just think of that. Put it in, in minutes, put it in time, uh, months, put it in years. Then put that time next to forever. How small does that get? That's forever is God's love. Forever is the promise of the new creation, the new uh, earth, new heaven, the presence of God. And so when we jump into 37, knowing all these things were more than conquerors, through him who loved us. And again, St. Paul pulls you out of yourself. You didn't do it. You're not the one standing strong. 
No, it is God lifting you up. Uh, Psalm 27 makes this wonderful statement saying that I lift your head above your enemies. It is because he loves us that he has not only vanquished our enemies, but then stands us up against them. Mm. And so we still face the enemy. We still struggle. Um, Saint and sinner, uh, the whole idea that we still live in a corrupt world. But these things will not overcome us eternally. And I think that's the, the big sticking point, because it's very hard to think of forever. Right. That, that is a concept that is beyond my comprehension. But uh, we're sitting around a round table. Now, just making that statement, I'm sure you can picture uh, Vicar and I sitting around, uh, around a round table. That's a concept we can get around. That's a table. That's what it sounds like. That's what you expect. I understand these things. Right. St. Paul pulls us out of that and says, that's not it. That's not the only thing you have. And don't rely on that because that will pass away and you will have even more in God. That's why he says, um, nothing else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Because again, we have God connecting himself to us in the flesh. I like to say that Jesus is as close to you as your own skin. And that should be a comfort because he has dealt with all these, the distress, the persecution, the famine, the nakedness, the danger, the sword on our behalf so that we would know that we have salvation, that we have the peace of God. This is all gift language. This is all gospel but it doesn't belittle the hurt, the pain, the problems of this world. Nowhere does St. Paul say, because God loves you, everything will be great. Right. That distress, that persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword, it doesn't say that they won't happen or they won't be there. It says that when you have Christ, you are more than conquerors of those through him who loved us. Man. I think this is such a, an important message. It's such a hard one, too, because it's so easy to get distracted by these things. And I don't just want to say, like, oh, the answer to all your life's problems is just to, you know, keep your eyes on Jesus and, and everything will go away because it doesn't. Death, life, distress, all these things still happen. But we have something we can hang on to, something that has conquered that. And because Christ has conquered that, and because we are his, we are conquerors too. All of this and more is the type of thing that you'll hear here at Holy Cross in Collinsville. So feel free to go to our website, uh, check us out, and feel free to leave a review or contact us at the emails listed in the description. We'd love to hear from you and any questions that you can contribute to this discussion of God's Holy Scripture. God's peace and have a good day.